well aware of the fact that not everyone, like Corey had mentioned, would have interest in serving in this context of ministry. And you just need to know up front, we're perfectly okay with that. It's, it's okay. Uh, we understand that all of you have a different view of what it means to serve in the military. We also understand, and might as well admit it up front, that all of you, us, have different views of the wars that we are participating in. However, no matter our views, for those of us who do have the privilege of serving those who are called to serve in the profession of arms, um, we are grateful for the service they offer our country and for the sacrifice and commitment they make. And uh, may the Lord be with them. And at the same time, we do not ignore the, cost, the gospel call to pray for our enemies, understand them, what's happening there. Um, part of my role is if a person expressed interest in pursuing the possibility of entering into this context of ministry, they enter a rather lengthy, rather competitive and tedious application process. And that process includes what we call an FR. P, which means functional review panel. And this panel literally makes the assessment of people and their calling, their background, their history, and we try to determine whether or not the applicant would be the kind of person that would fit well into this ministry context, mainly because it is a pluralistic context and that's a tough environment for some people to serve in. Um, it's a competitive world, and we in the Air Force Reserve Chaplaincy, we share the conviction that we are called to provide the best chaplain pastors who will be faithful men and women that will exemplify what we like to call a representative of the holy to all of the men and women that we've been called to serve in our United States Air Force. Now, for those of you who have ever had the opportunity to interview people uh, for positions, you might have some sense of the difficulty that's involved in this kind of process. And quite honestly, no matter how critical and thoughtful and informed that we think we are on the functional review panel, um, we extend an invitation to somebody and on rare occasions we miss the mark. We invite somebody to serve who later we regret. And all that we can do is hope and pray that they will not hurt the community that they've been called to serve. On the flip side of that, folks, um, in my job, it's pretty tough for me to turn people away while they're saying to me on the phone or in person, but you don't understand, Chapman Pendleton, God has called me to this ministry. I understand the nature of call, but I'll be honest with you. I sometimes think God gets blamed for a lot of things that he has absolutely nothing to do with. You know what I mean? I was, I was a high school wrestling coach for ten years. I know. It's true. <laughs> I mean, what else am I going to do, right? I love football, but look at me for crying out loud. But uh, Jess, I coached uh, Olathe East High School, and then there's a new Olathe Northwest High School I coached. The church I pastored was right across the street. 
I remember one day I was in the locker room after practice and it was uh, the years of the tsunamis. You remember the significance of the tsunamis and a couple of the guys having a conversation about professional athletes that after they score a touchdown, you know, they kneel down, they do the sign of the cross and all that and they go, Coach, what is that? I mean, do you, does God, who does he want to win? I'm like, guys, really, man, do you think God cares more about who wins the Super Bowl? I mean, I care... Go Pats. But, I mean, who... who that, that could be considered a religious response right there. I care, but really, I, I think he's probably more concerned about the victims of the tsunamis, you know? I just think God kind of gets blamed for stuff he has nothing to do with. Anyway, I kind of wonder what might happen had we had an FRP to determine whether or not we wanted... Jesus to come into the Air Force Chaplain Corps. What would his application package look like? And then I really wonder if he would pass the mustard and we'd invite him to come and be a part of our program. Have you invited him to come? And if so, I'm curious, has he met your expectations? What is the criteria for Jesus Christ to come into our lives? And tell me something. For those of you who have experienced his coming into your heart and lives, are you regretting that decision? Are you wondering if your relationship with Jesus, you know, was really the way to go? And if so, I would venture to say, you are not alone. A reading from the Gospel according to St. Matthew chapter 11. Uh, listen. From the New Living Translation. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Jesus told them, Go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor, and tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away from me or because of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go out into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed, swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No. People with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes. He is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scriptures refer when they say... Look, 
I am sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. And yet, even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm thinking to myself, wow, who would have ever thought that a guy like John the Baptist, who Jesus referred to as my messenger, of all who ever lived, none is greater than he. I mean, this is the same John who a few chapters earlier didn't want to baptize Jesus, saying to him, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, so why are you coming to me? Now, it is not my heart today that this sermon questioned John's expectations of who the Messiah is supposed to be, what he's supposed to do, or the possible assumptions that we make about him. But certainly, John, he wondered about this Jesus, this coming of Jesus, with words like, Are you really the Messiah? Are you the guy we've been waiting for, or should we keep looking for somebody else? To which I want to respond to John. I mean, if John was saying that to me, and I'm standing in front of him, it, it might sound something like this. Come on, John. What's the matter with you? The blind see, man. The lame walk. The lepers are cured. The deaf hear. I mean, the dead are raised to life. And you're wondering if this is the guy we've been waiting for or should we be holding out for somebody else. John, what do you want? And John's thinking, I want to get out of jail. <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he does all those other things, but he can't get me out of prison. <laughs> I mean, if I was John, I might. He's in prison, the text said. And he's probably, I've never been in prison, but he's, he's probably feeling pretty bad about his life. And maybe, I don't know, maybe he had a sense that his death was imminent. I mean, I, I understand, John, if it was me, I'd be questioning a lot of things. If it was me, I mean, I'm just not that, you know, strong of a guy. I, I'd wonder whether or not Christ's coming was for real. Are you? Are you wondering that? I'll come back to that. Reading this story makes me wonder if the coming of Jesus into the lives of people is wrought with unrealistic expectations of who He is and what He's supposed to do. And maybe, I don't know, but maybe some of the expectations come from who the body of Christ thinks He is. And who we claim He is. And by what we've done. And, and that's kind of frightening in some context because the body of Christ hasn't always looked like the Christ. 
And I just kind of wonder, folks, I wonder if we need to consider, as Brian McLaren suggests, the possibility of, quote, reframing Jesus outside the confines of our dominant and largely unquestioned assumptions about him. Maybe that would have helped John. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we be waiting for another? I think it's a legitimate question. I think it's okay. And I think it's the question for our consideration is, what does the coming of Christ look like in your life and in mine? And I think, perhaps, if I'm understanding it correctly, and that's an admission that I may not be, okay? But the text conveys a possible answer. I, I think the coming of Christ can be experienced in our lives when others experience Him through us. I think it's a possibility that Christ can come to me through you. And believe me, I see you. That's freaking scary, right? Christ can come to me through you. There's a possibility that we too may be today's John the Baptist of the world, preparing the way of Christ's coming into the lives of people with whom we live and work every single day. If there's any truth to that, then what does His coming look like? Now I realize that some of these ideas, uh, they, they come from my own image of who the Jesus is and that, I, that I've come to love and serve and understand and they're certainly not meant to be prescriptive for all of you. So leaving here saying that Chaplain Pendleton told you to do this would be a mistake. Right? It, it's an idea. It's all it is. Are you good with that? Everybody okay with that? I mean, I just don't have that kind of authority to tell you what to do. If you were my kids, yeah. But they're adults now, so they don't even listen to what I tell them to do. They're just possible ideas through which the Christ might come into people's lives through the likes of you and I, all right? I was uh, in a Walmart parking lot some time ago. And this lady's talking on her cell phone, and she's talking loud enough so that everybody in the vicinity can hear the conversation. Now, you can tell from my demonstrativeness that I don't like that. <laughs> you know, really, I'm sorry. If you do, I'm like, don't, I don't want to hear your conversations. Like, go away. <laughs> really, I don't want to hear about your life. I don't want to hear about, like, your surgeries and your sickness. And really, I got enough problems of my own. Don't. Don't include me, okay? When I, especially if it's not welcomed. But she's talking really loud, and I can feel in my spirit, I'm just getting frustrated and angry. I'm like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> well, we keep walking, and I quickly learn, because the conversation is so loud, she starts crying on the phone. She can't find her car in the parking lot. Now, that's not why she's crying. Whatever's going on in that conversation is really upsetting to her, but not being able to find the car, that's added to it, right? And so now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty bad. You know what I mean? And I feel in my spirit I need to go help her find her car. 
and I, I didn't. It's too proud. I mean, I, I hate when I do that. I think it was a moment where she may have experienced the Christ of the likes of me. You know what I mean? I was in San Diego a few weeks ago uh, recruiting. We were at an In-N-Out burger. You ever have In-N-Out? Awesome. I love In-N-Out. And we go to California. I'm like, first, I mean, literally, I am off the plane and I'm getting an In-N-Out. And when I got here yesterday, the first thing I did was stop at St. Taylor's and get a cheesesteak because I can't get anything like it where I live now. I live just south of Macon, Georgia now. Any Southerners? Really? Bro, it's cool, bro. It's just... I mean, I'm, they still call me a Yankee down there, and I don't get it. <laughs> anyway, it's a different culture, but they don't have In-N-Out. So I was at In-N-Out, was sitting out with a colleague of mine, uh, Lieutenant Bruce. Jim knows him and my wife. And, you know, in big cities, there's a lot of homeless people, and they're begged for food. And we had a gentleman come by, and he was looking for money, and... I just have moments with folks like that. Sometimes I feel impressed to respond, and other times I don't. Uh, but I did. So I walked in, and I got him a meal, and I brought the little receipt out and said, here's your number, and here's the cup you drink, and they're going to call your number, and you have a meal. And I think there are moments like that in which perhaps he experienced the Christ through the likes of me. One of my co-workers lost her father recently. She sent us a little email, and her words were, God let me feel his presence through friends like you. I have a good friend of mine whom I've served with. He's not in the Air Force, but he works for the Air Force. He happens to be a Latter-day Saint, a committed Latter-day Saint. He wrote me a card. Now, please don't misunderstand the reading because it, it surprisingly speaks well of me, but it was so moving, it's so moving. I had no idea that our friendship was like this. He wrote, David, as we approach the celebration of the birth of a Savior, it brings comfort to me knowing that I have a great friend like you. You are indeed a choice son of our Heavenly Father, and he has blessed my life by bringing you into it. Because unfortunately, a lot of evangelical Christians don't befriend a lot of LDS folks. And I love Nate. I mean, I'm, I'm not with him theologically, but he's my friend. He asked me to speak in his ward or his church a couple years ago, and I'm like, man, Nate, you guys come. You've got no problem knocking on my front door. I'll come and speak. No worries. It was awesome. <laughs> it's great. One of the wonderful people I had the privilege of pastoring for a lot of years had a chronic pain in her back and neck. Years and years, found no relief. And not long ago, she's sitting in church and her neck is slightly bent because of the pain. A woman sitting behind her tapped on her shoulder and told her, you're in pain. I think I can help with that. And she, the woman, this woman I pastored literally gets Botox injections in that area. She's completely healed. 
and I'm thinking that perhaps she experienced Christ through that other person. I think, guys, that's what the coming of Christ might look like in our everyday lives. I think it looks like our relationships. I think Jesus comes unexpectedly. I think he comes in ways we cannot imagine and maybe at times we do not know. My wife and I, we have a date night every week. And where I live, it's not very large, but they have an Outback Steakhouse. So we go to the Outback on date night and we purposely sit at the bar. Now, don't, I'm, I'm not telling you to do this. Because I know the Nazarenes, they get all anxious about it. It, it. it was real wine in the scriptures, okay? Sorry. I, well, there goes my last invitation. Awesome. Yeah. Friend of sinners. I, oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? That Look, I know. I don't. I'm not telling you to do that, all right? Cause, you know, I'm 47 years old. I can sit at a bar, right? But we do. We we purposely have our meal at the bar, and we've gone for several months now, so we know all the bartenders, know all of them, very very well. We consider them friends, and they us. I gotta tell you, conversations that we've had across that bar over the last several months, I'm not ignorant. I know people get a little liquor in them and they start being real honest. But that isn't the case all the time. We get to talk to people, they know I'm a chaplain, that freaks them out anyway. But they're comfortable with us and they start telling us about their lives and their hurt. Searching for the king. Now they don't know that. And Lee and I, we speak into their lives. Love them. Frankly, they're a lot more fun to be with than most Christians anyway, you know. They tend to be real. We don't expect anything from them. I think Jesus Christ comes through you. I don't get to preach a lot anymore in my current assignment. And I miss it. I worked hard at it and miss it. You, your invitation has been Christ to me today. Thank you. Thank you. I think Christ, folks, will come constantly through you. And I just want to invite you to let Him. You never know. You know? You just don't know. Just let Him. Be faithful as you follow Him and learn from Him and grow in Him. I mean, the beauty of it is you don't have to be 
perfect. I mean, come on, read the prophets and read the apostles. You think these people were perfect people? You are wrong. They were like you and me. But we're it, church. We're it. This is what God has. You and me. So let him come. Let him come. Okay? I'm, I'm done. Um, if it's okay, can we sing or not? Yeah, not I can't, but um. The,